Hello and welcome to the Bulls Beat for Monday after Selection Sunday after a wild weekend of ball and bat sports. The Bulls softball team saw its long winning streak come to an end. No, Georgina Cork's scoreless streak didn't come to an end, but Ohio State took advantage of, well, not having to face Cork. It was still a thrilling atmosphere last night, I'll tell you that. While that was going on, we were heading over to the Yingling Center to watch the selection, and I had a feeling it would not be a long wait before the Bulls found out where they're going. I'll tell you why here shortly. Baseball had an amazing victory on Sunday. We did not do the broadcast on Friday, but we'll tell you about it. What a fantastic game turned in by a couple of freshmen on the team. Set them up for another series victory. Three weekends in a row with series victories, but this one was tough. The highlights are wild, especially exciting, the ending. We'll also tell you what went on with golf and tennis this weekend as well. Did not do a show on Friday after that American Athletic Conference Championship game late on Thursday night for basketball. Basically, it was 2 o'clock Tampa time by the time we got back to the hotel and to get up at 7 o'clock Tampa time, 6 o'clock out there and put together a show, which essentially would have been highlights of the two basketball games. Really, there was no need to do it because we just replayed the games. However, before we move on to women's basketball, definitely wanted to play the what I thought was amazing call by Jim Lighthall of how the season came to an end for the Bulls. They definitely had a big rally to make it interesting against UCF. And as painful as it was, I got to see Jim in person. I mean, obviously, hang out with him a lot in person, but in this case, calling a game next to him because I was setting up for the women's broadcast. And folks, I hope you realize how much he cares. You could probably tell in his voice, but I could tell in his body movements that he was really living and dying with what was going on in that game, especially at the end. So some of the good and then the ending for the men's basketball team. With a little push off. Now a spin move. Now he fires over Jameer Kaplan. That's off the rim. No good. And the Bulls get a stop with two minutes to play. Javon picks up his dribble. Back to Corey Walker. Wide open. He didn't pull the trigger. Eight to go on the shot clock. Now he stops and fires from 17. Yes! Corey Walker gets the bucket. Tied at 56. Perry catches, fires from three, and hits it. Right in front of the UCF bench. They got exactly what they wanted. They lead by three with 30 seconds to go. Three-second difference on the game clock and the shot clock. USF trails by three. Right side pass to Caleb Murphy. Goes away from the screen. Goes to the basket. A lot of contact. Hanging, gliding. Didn't go. Tipped up and in by Corey Walker Jr. with 18.7 left. And the Bulls are down a point, 59-58. And Johnson will go to the free throw line. Second free throw by Darius Johnson. The freshman missed that one, and Chiwa gets the rebound. Bulls down two. 14 seconds to go. Here comes Caleb Murphy. USF with no more timeouts. Caleb gets to the free throw line, drives into the paint, kicks in the corner. There's Corey Walker open for three, lets it go. Didn't go. Long rebound, got it back. Three seconds to go. Javon Green for three. Off the rim, no good. Didn't go down. The Bulls cannot do it. They can't do it. They couldn't do it. It's over. It's over. Hope you realize why I played that. I thought it was just an unbelievably dramatic call, even though it was, of course, a final call for the season for the Bulls. And again, this goes back to last Thursday, but we didn't do a show on Friday. And I kind of wanted to have that show living on a file where everybody could access it. We put up the shows, of course, on our unlimited unloaded page after they stream. So on SoundCloud, USF takes you to the unlimited unloaded page. Also, on Saturday, they recorded the final Brian Gregory show of the season. We are replaying that plenty of times. If you want to hear it, you can. And I think there's going to be a chance that you get players transferring out. You might get some news over the next couple of weeks, but 
Brian Gregory's team looking to build for next year. A disappointing season, as he admits. And some of the things he said they're focused on are pretty interesting. Mental toughness a little bit. Physical toughness underneath, for sure. Finishing around the rim. Well, those are some things that the women's basketball team has had issues with this year. But through all the issues, you look up in the NCAA tournament bracket... And they're a number nine seed, which means they were solidly in the tournament, never had to worry, even with some upsets going on elsewhere. You had some teams like Missouri, who beat South Carolina, not make the field, and teams that were definitely in the field as recently as a month ago, not making it like a Duke Blue Devils team. The Bulls, and I, if you followed me on Twitter, you've been listening to this show, were in that 8-9 range, and it was so interesting because after the game on Thursday, I was seeing on Twitter, of course, we're talking about the loss in the conference championship to UCF where the Bulls led through three quarters but only had one point until the final minute of the fourth quarters. They were asking their players, their starters, to play the bulk of the minutes, and I think they just ran out of gas a little bit. Still, a 53-45 loss to UCF is nothing to be ashamed of. I saw on Twitter people saying things like, well, what went wrong with women's basketball this year, like the season was over. And then you look the next day at ESPN's bracketologist, Charlie Cream, he had that, you know, loss that some people were saying, what's wrong with the Bulls about? The result of that loss was they moved up from a 10 seed to a 9 seed in his projection. And guess what? That's exactly what ended up happening. The reason I knew their name would be called pretty quickly is because I just had a feeling they'd be paired up with South Carolina. And, of course, you don't play them in the first game. That's going to be a 16 seed. But then the 8-9 game would be the potential second-round opponent for South Carolina. Well, knowing full well that South Carolina was going to be the number one overall seed, they were going to be the first team announced, and their potential second-round opponent would be the second two teams announced. And that's exactly what happened. It wasn't even a minute before the announcement of the Bulls who will play Miami, which was also kind of an inkling because most of the projections had the Bulls playing a team from Florida. So if you want to see the reaction, go to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. And while the news that you might be playing South Carolina might make you think their reaction would be like, no, everyone was thrilled, including head coach Jose Fernandez, who spoke to us afterwards. Do you have to start thinking about South Carolina or the next game now? Or do you just... Are you going to just bust it after that game? Yeah, just got to work it on South Carolina after Miami. But you got to get through Miami to get an opportunity to play South Carolina. Miami's pretty good. Do you have an inkling it could be a, a state team? It seemed like there was a lot of projections. And did you know? No, I, you know, I thought we were going to be a 9 10. Hey, it is what it is. We're excited. Did you take notice of Miami and Louisville's game a few weeks ago? Did you see that? You see yeah. That? I watched the game. Louisville's, uh, Miami went on an 18 0 run. And then, you know what? Miami played with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. They fed off of that. How much of an advantage is it that your kids have been to the show? I think it's a big advantage because they know. I think they know how, how we prepare and, and, and how we travel and, and how we're going to attack. You know that first game. When we play Friday. Friday. Oh, good. We got we got some time to get ready. Thank goodness. We'll talk a lot more about Miami and their personnel, uh, obviously, as we get closer to the game on Friday. However, what you need to know is. They were not an NCAA tournament team. They were 12-10 and 10 at one point. In fact, we saw them in the Bahamas. They were kind of in the quote-unquote other game in the Bahamar event. Not the one, the battle for Atlantis, but the second one where the Bulls ended up playing Stanford. They went 0-2 at that event. They lost to Washington State 62-47. Then they actually gave Indiana a battle, losing 53-51. 
But, you know, you looked at all the schools in that event and that, honestly, that Miami-Washington State game because you had Indiana, you had Maryland, which was top two at the time. You had, of course, Stanford. You had all these teams that were garnering most of the attention. And then it was the Miami-Washington State game. Well, it turns out all six teams in that Bahamar event ended up making the NCAA tournament. But Miami's story was definitely the least likely of them. Now, they did go 7-3 and three in pre-ACC play. But then they started off about average. I mean, they beat Georgia Tech by a point to get to two and two in the league, win one, lose one, and then they were sitting on, as I said, twelve and ten and five and seven in the conference. Then they beat FSU at home, Virginia and Pittsburgh, but those are the two weakest teams in the league, so they really hadn't done anything to put together an NCAA tournament resume. Beat Georgia Tech fifty one thirty nine, then lost to Virginia Tech. So again, they're sitting on an okay resume beat Clemson, and then they're right there on the maybe-if-they-make-a-run mention, but certainly not expected to go to the NCAA tournament. But then at the ACC tournament as the seventh seed, so they got a chance, thanks, frankly, to teams like Duke and Boston College falling off and falling underneath them in the standings, that first game against Duke they had to win, and they did. Then the game that propelled them into the conversation, beating Louisville 61-59, a team that was going to be a number one seed, Maybe because they lost to Miami, Baylor could have jumped them, but Baylor got beat yesterday by Texas. Let me tell you, the conference tournaments really did get factored in by the committee because Miami not only gets into the field, they would follow that win up against Louisville by beating Notre Dame, which cemented their spot, and then they ended up losing in the final to NC State 60-47. to But you look around some of the conference tournaments, a team like Kentucky, which of course won the SEC, went from not being in the field a few weeks back to being a sixth seed, and Miami gets the eighth seed. They get basically the worst eighth seed, and the Bulls get the best ninth seed. In other words, Miami and USF, if you follow that quote-unquote S-curve, are the two middle teams in the field because South Carolina is the number one overall team. Technically, they would play the quote-unquote weakest eighth seed, that being Miami, and then the strongest ninth seed being USF. Here are some from the players, including senior leader Shea Leverett. What about the way you've been playing, Shay? I know you uh, had a period of time this year where you didn't see many minutes, and you've really taken it since that UCF game. What, what's changed for you? Uh, just, you know, at the time we needed different people to step up, and, you know, we bought valuable players onto the team like Dulce, so it's good, like, giving my body a break and just, you know, when I need to come in, come in and do it. And then, you know, now I'm back. I'm, I feel better. We still have those three, so, you know, we're better than ever right now coming into the NCAA tournament. So now just utilizing all our tools and putting it together for this tournament, I think we're ready. Uh, do you know much about Miami? And, and, you know, they obviously won 20 games in a good ACC. What do you know about them? I mean, they're a good – we used to, you know, scrimmage them and play against them in the preseason. So I know they're a good team. They're nothing, you know, just to take lightly. And it's, uh, you know, March, so everyone's playing at their best game. So, you know, just come in their focus. Down on the game plan and just play our best games. All the good, Are you glad to get the real NCAA tournament experience this year? As yes. opposed to being holed up in your hotel. <laughs> yes, I, I missed it. You know, quarantine and NCAA tournament wasn't the best, you know, but I'm glad, like, the girls uh, from last year and girls coming in, they can experience it, like, the full effect and how it's like something you keep for a lifetime. So I'm glad they get to experience the full effect of it. Of course, we'll have full accommodations. We'll give you a full report, actually, with just four teams in each city. We won't have to worry about the, um, I don't think anyway, that we'll have to worry about the hotel situation. Yeah, if you're a higher seed, you 
you get the better accommodations. But I think it'll all be pretty equivalent. And actually, Columbia is one of the four cities that have five teams in them. Again, they expanded the field to 68. But unlike the men where all those teams go to Dayton, so you have your four last teams in the field as that largest and your four weakest conference champions automatics play in the first round. So Incarnate Word, who came out as a below 500 team to win its conference tournament, will take on Howard, and the winner gets South Carolina on Friday, and it'll be Miami against South Florida. I'm going to guess that because South Carolina is playing the team that has to play an early game there in Columbia, that that means we'll be playing Friday night. In other words, they're not going to make a team play Wednesday and then play South Carolina on Friday afternoon. So that's my guess. It'll be probably the first game on Friday night, but definitely on Friday. And incidentally, Miami, a team that was putting together a regular trip to the NCAA tournament kind of resume. In fact, they went every year from 2015 to 2019. They got a win in their last trip there against FGCU as the four seed, then lost to the fifth seed Arizona State. Actually lost by two at home. They were good enough to be a regional host. Did not make the tournament last year. Finished 10th in the conference and actually in the 20 season. uh, They were in an opening round game in the 11 versus 14 game and they actually lost that to the last place team. Year prior to that, they were the fourth seed and lost in the ACC tournament in the first round. Again, despite being able to host, they had not won an ACC tournament game since 2018, and they end up making it all the way to the finals for the first time. One more player that we had a chance to chat with after that great reception, by the way, at the Yingling Center, a lot of the season ticket holders were there, it was a good turnout, was point guard Elisa Pinzon. You know, it's basketball. One team lose and one team win. So even if it was not the outcome that we wanted to accomplish, we, we're still going to the CAA tournament, and it's a pleasure to go. Like, you know, only 64 teams go, and we are one of those 64, so we're ready to play. Like, conference tournament is over. It, it didn't go how we wanted, but it's over. We can't do anything about it. We can just make progress now and just make history to go into, like, Sweet uh, Elite 8 or Sweet 16, you know? Yeah, you know, we have two days off just to clear our mind, just stay about, like stay with each other, just don't think about it anymore. And we just want to we just wanna do well. We just want to make some history that the program never, like, reached. So that's our mindset. Just play our best basketball, and we can beat anybody in the country. We showed that in the Bahamas tournament, so that's the mindset that we need to have. In the NCAA tournament, Bulls have never made it to that second weekend, that Sweet 16. They'll have to beat Miami and the best team in the country, South Carolina. Of course, again, we'll tell you more about those teams later on in the week. It was a busy weekend. Baseball ended it in wild walk-off fashion. In fact, we had back-to-back walk-offs, baseball and softball on Sunday, but different kinds of walk-offs. Also, golf and tennis to tell you about as well. Stay tuned.